1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, I got a word today, word from God. Look at the person next to you and say, it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. 1 Samuel 16, beginning in verse 10. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Samuel's the prophet. Oh, the Lord has not chosen these. Are these all the sons you have? Samuel the prophet asked Jesse. There is still the youngest. He's out tending the sheep. (laughs) The prophet says, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. When he arrived, he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. The Lord said to Samuel, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Can you believe it's like already December? Anyone already start their Christmas shopping? No, you're like, you know, this is where you get like deer in headlights. No, you know, no, no. A few people like, oh yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, (laughs) This is when, you know, spouses are looking at, you know, wives are looking at their husbands, you know, already, yeah. Trying to see if they started their Christmas shopping. But I remember as a kid, like Christmas, once December came, it felt like it was never gonna come. Remember, in 1982, long, long time ago, I was five years old, and it felt like Christmas was never gonna come. I'm like, you know, like, come on. And my mom had this, like, Advent-type thing where you rip the thing off each, it was like the string thing, and you just tear off for each day, and I just wanted to rip the whole thing off and be like, Christmas is never gonna come. Like, will Christmas ever be here? What, do, what, what are my parents gonna get me? Am I gonna get anything good? You know, I remember, like, as a five-year-old, it's stressful in December. It is like, I don't know if Christmas is actually gonna get here. I don't know if I'm gonna actually get anything good. Now, from my parents' perspective, they knew Christmas was going to arrive, and they knew what they were giving me. I didn't show this picture at the last gathering, but my mom, who was here at the nine, gave this to me in in between. So this is Christmas 1982. What happened on that day? That's that's my redheaded sister, Julie. Can you see? I'm on a blue huffy bike in my PJs, I didn't even get dressed. I just headed outside. I didn't come back all the day. I was on my blue huffy. That was when as kids, you could stay out until the street lights came on, you know? It was just like, you were just, because I was like so excited. I was so stressed, but my parents knew like, it's good, we got you. Any parents today know like your kids? You're like, oh my goodness. It's like, yes, it's no, it's not Christmas. You're gonna get gifts. Unless you keep acting crazy, I might might return some of them. (laughs) And I wonder if that's how God is with us. That we're so stressed. Like, is that ever gonna come? God, the man you promised me, is he ever gonna show up into my life? So stressed. God, like the job that you promised me, is it, is, it ever gonna, is it ever gonna come? It's worth the wait, what God has for you. God will deliver everything he promised. Here in, in 1 Samuel, in this chapter, we, we find Israel's prophet. And, and at that time, you see, for years, Israel had been ruled by judges, that was how God had set things up. And yet, yet, even though God was taking care of Israel, Israel would look around and they would see all the other nations. And do you know what all the other nations had? A king. 
So they're like, they all have a king. Why don't we have a king? We want a king because they have a king. Isn't it amazing how much of our lives we spend looking at what other people have instead of appreciating what God has given us and how God is providing for us? <laughs> I remember in high school, there was a commercial. It was a Gatorade commercial. Michael Jordan, you want to be like Mike? Everyone, we want to be, this is me being like Mike. I know you, you can't tell, by the way. So I can't jump, so at least I can pretend to dribble, right? Everyone, everyone wanted to be like Mike. It's amazing how we look on things on social media and we want to be like them. We want to travel like them. We want a house like them. We want a spouse like them. We don't really know if, if any of that's real or just pretend, right? This is, but, but, but we so much want to be and have what other people have. But here's the thing. Oftentimes, we don't know what we're really asking for. God's like, you want a king? You can have a king. Do you know what comes with a king? Taxes. Do you know what comes with a king? Someone imposing their will on everyone? Versus someone hearing from God through the judges who was the, the prophet for the nation. I have an announcement. The grass is not always greener on the other side. Yeah, or maybe I should say it this way. Life is not always better on what you see on their social media account. It ain't always greener on the other side. And so God gives them a king. And their first king is Saul. And Saul was, he was tall and he was handsome. He's, Probably what most single ladies in the room would be like, ah, why? Well, show me my Saul, you know? But here's the thing so Saul, Saul was only concerned about his image, not about his integrity. Saul was concerned, what do you all think about me, not does what does God think about me? And so what happens is you start making some bad decisions, because frankly, you can't please everyone anyway. And I wonder how many of us we see this in Saul, but if we're if we're honest with ourselves, we're doing the same thing. We're here in church in God's house, but frankly, we're more interested in pleasing our boss than we are in pleasing God. We're more, we're more concerned with pleasing our friends than we are with, with pleasing God. And it leads to trouble and we end up making bad decisions and Saul made so many bad decisions and so now God's like, we need to anoint and pick a different king for Israel. And so he sends the prophet Samuel to anoint Israel's second king. And so, so the prophet shows up at Jesse's house. And it's amazing because what you see here is Jesse has seven sons there for him to look at. And the prophet Samuel sees Jesse's oldest. And I don't have it for the screens, but here's what, because here's what, he sees the oldest, and this is the prophet, this is the man of God, and you would think spiritual, discernment, and he was caught up with how the oldest look. Ooh, he looked, he looked like a king. Isn't it amazing, even though we're following God, we can look at some things and we don't always see what God wants us to see? And so God had to tell the prophet, it's not for the screens, but I have it memorized. 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said unto him, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. And like us Christians love to quote that. We, God looks at our heart. You look at my, but God looks at my heart. Like try that on a first date. Show up in your PJs, don't even brush your teeth, your hair, don't get your nails done, and just sit across and be like, I got a good heart. 
<laughs> like, try that. Like, like, go for that job interview and, like, don't worry about what you wear. Like, I know it's a bank, but don't wear a suit. Don't, don't wear slacks and a dress shirt. Just, like, you know, show up in some overalls and, you know, just be, like, just nothing against overalls, by the way. That just came to mind right now. I don't know why I said that. So, anyone here have overalls? No, okay, you know, it's like, yo, show up in your football jersey, you know, how about that, right? You just, just show up, like, for that bank, and you're like, it, it, it's, it's my heart. You, you see, there's truth, but when we overemphasize that, that, that's why sometimes we can even make bad decisions, even at church, like, like, like greeters, we need people who are friendly, smiling, took a shower in the morning and don't stink, right, like, like, it, it, it doesn't, here's what I'm saying. We should be aware of how other people see us. If we're called to be used by God and reach other people, we should be aware of how other people view us, but we should be obsessed with how God views us. That's the difference. You see, too many of us are obsessed with how people view us, and we kind of take an awareness of how God sees us. It's like, no, we need to be aware of how other people see us, but I am obsessed with, with how God sees me. And so the prophet goes through all the seven sons, and God's like, no, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it. I wonder if he's thinking, maybe if I, you said Jesse's house? We're here, Jesse's, there's, uh, do you have any, any more sons? Because, because none of these are it. Well, yeah, there, there's the youngest, David, but, but he's out in the field with the sheep. Have you ever been overlooked? You ever been overlooked at work? Like you work hard, you've been at that company longer, you've produced greater results, and someone else gets the promotion instead of you? Overlooked? Overlooked. <laughs> you're really like, there's, there's a girl you're really into, this and that, and then all of a sudden she comes to you and says, I have something I really wanna share because there's just, there's, and then all of a sudden like, she, she's asking you if you'd set her up with your best friend? You ever been overlooked? You ever just feel like sometimes we're just overlooked? It's one thing to be overlooked by strangers, or it's one thing to be overlooked by your boss at work, but to be overlooked by your own dad? Someone who, if anyone should see the best in you, it should be your own dad? Doesn't even, it's like there's not even a chance it's David. Don't even bring him here. You just stay out with the sheep. Overlooked. It's amazing how often we focus right now on being promoted by people. We live in a world, be promoted by people, promoted by people, promoted by people. But here's the thing, being picked by God will take you farther than being promoted by people. I realize this, has God picked me? You might overlook me. Because we, like, we live in this world where everything's about an election. Let the people decide. Listen, if there was an election at that time, I don't think David would have been elected king. The people would not have picked him, but God picked him. God, God said, you're the one. Now, now, what was David doing when the prophet arrived? He was out with the sheep. He was working. God is looking for people who are busy, not avoiding responsibility. 
You see, God's not looking for someone who goes into work and tries to do the least amount of work possible. Clock out, but still kind of be clocked in. God's not looking for someone who, going through school, is just trying to take the easiest classes possible. God's looking for people that are, and so David, David was working. When God found Moses, Moses was, was hard at work. When, when God called Gideon, Gideon was, was hard at work. When, when, God, when God called Elisha, he was out plowing the field. He was busy working. Nehemiah was, Amos was, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Even Matthew collecting taxes, they were busy. I'm really proud of my oldest right here, 23 years old, finished college in two and a half years. You know what I'm proud of? There's so many things I'm proud of him for, but he is a hard worker. When nobody's looking, he's working hard. Kalia, Acosta, the Acosta family, great family in this church, just about a week or two ago, she showed me a picture. She's like, hey, when, you, when your son wasn't looking, I took a picture of him. And at first I'm like, that's, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> like, should I be concerned? <laughs> Security, <laughs> you know. But, but, but she, says, she says it was right before a youth event, and she showed me the picture, and you had a vacuum. He was getting ready to speak to the youth, getting ready to host and do other things, but hey, there's some, there's some stuff here. Pick up a vacuum. God is looking for people who are willing to vacuum. God is looking for people who are willing to stand out in the parking lot and help park cars while you're dodging cars. God is looking for people to welcome people into his house, even though some of the people can be cranky and not even smile back. God is looking for people who are willing to work. Jesus told a parable about three individuals who were entrusted with talents. And the, the parable would go that Jesus would say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little? I'm gonna entrust you ruler over much. You see, some of us right now, we're waiting. Oh, I'll be faithful. I'll work hard when I get a promotion at work. I'll work harder at school once I get to the, you know, the classes that really have to do with my major. No, God is willing and looking for people who are willing to just be faithful with the little bit they got. Working hard, but you're like, but I'm being overlooked. I'm, listen, it doesn't matter how many people overlook you when God has picked you. And you need to know you were created on purpose for a purpose. And no matter what life is like right now, God says, I got greater things in store for you. It's worth the wait. It, David was number eight. Now, now in the Bible, eight, eight can symbolize new beginnings. Ooh, get this. Uh, it, this was a new beginning for Israel. They'd been ruled by, by judges, and then their first king didn't work out so well. So this is, this is a new beginning for, for Israel. W where did David come from? Bethlehem. I'm, I'm helping you out here. <laughs> David w was born in Bethlehem. A new beginning for Israel came out of Bethlehem. It's, 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 it's Christmas. Where did a new beginning for you and me come from? Bethlehem. Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem, and there's a new beginning. So it doesn't matter how many times you messed up in the past. If you'll embrace who Jesus is and what he wants to do in your life, you can discover a new, a new beginning. Now, now, in this new beginning, though, something needs to take place, and the prophet knows that, and the prophet anoints David with oil. And it said God's power was upon him. 
and grew from that point on. Isn't it amazing how we, we pray to God when we're in trouble? It's like God do this, but we're like, but I kind of got this. Because you have that education, and so maybe you trust that education instead of the power of God. You have that, all that experience. And so we're, we're looking at our own ability, and we're looking at our own talent, and we're looking at this when it's like, I don't know about you, but like, at some point, for me, my talent runs out. At some point, my ideas run out. That's where I'm like, God, I need your presence. I need the Holy Spirit working in and through my life in every area, in my relationships. It's like, I got a good marriage, but it's like, God, I, can, uh, I need you to help me be the best husband. God, I, I need you, whatever you do, whether, whether it be at your company. It's like, God, I need your, to, us to really become dependent upon God's God's power. So David, David is chosen. He is anointed as king, but he's not appointed king. He's anointed king, but then it's time to go head back out and be with the sheep. You ever come to church and God does something in your heart? You're like, oh, God birthed this idea. I'm going to start this company. And yet tomorrow morning, you're going to go back to your nine to five job. You come in here and God places something in you because you know how desperately you and your spouse want to have kids. And it's like, we're going to have a family. And then you go back to that home where it's just the two of you. Does anyone know what it's like to, to say, like God spoke something to you. He does something. But what he, he said is not what you see. It's worth the wait. Because we live in this world of like instant. I've heard it said that so many preachers over the years have said that, that we live in a microwave culture, but we serve a crockpot God. But I don't think that's even accurate anymore because people don't even wait for the microwave. We just want to open a wrapper. It's a, it's a bar, but it's a meal, instant. We want everything instant. What if you're not ready for what God has anointed you for? Or you're like, no, I'm ready for it, but are you? What if God did it and you would destroy it and it would destroy you? You see, sometimes God is, God is getting us ready. God is, God is actually preparing us. And for me, this is so frustrating because I'm not patient. At birth, when God was giving out talents, this is not a theological, this is just a funny <laughs> statement, by the way. He forgot to put patience on the inside of me. Like, God, could you have just, like, sprinkled a little bit of patience dust? Every time I come here on Sundays, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me is frustrated because the sound absorption is not here yet. <laughs> no one else? No? You're like, I get, I, get, I get frustrated pumping gas. <laughs> it's like, why don't, who can, like, can someone just create a, a where it just instantly goes into the car? but you gotta slowly wait for it. And it's like, it's slowly looking how much this is costing you. It's like painful, why, like, it, here's the thing is that, that when we're impatient, we can rush. Am I the only one who's ever showed up somewhere with different socks on? How did I get this, on my right foot, on my left foot, a different? You ever get somewhere and totally forgot something because you were, because you were rushing? 
If God is not in a hurry, why are you? Why am I? It's worth the wait. So David's back out with sheep. Oh, but then there's a promotion now. You got to think, David is now anointed king. He's with the sheep, but now he becomes the attendant to the king. I thought, I thought he was anointed king. He is anointed king, but now he is serving the king. What's he doing? Well, one of the things he was doing is, is that he would play music because the king was tormented. Isn't it amazing that the king was tormented? Now, here's the thing. The king was so concerned with, other, with what other people thought. We live in a world where depression is at an all-time high, anxiety is at an all-time high. Now, I am not talking about there being, um, you know, things medically. I'm, I'm not talking about things that are, um, need to be adjusted based upon tests. I'm, I'm talking about when we fill ourselves with what everyone else is doing, with what everyone else has, and then we feel more discouraged, we feel more depressed because we're living our lives in other people's eyes versus in God's eyes. And the only thing that would soothe the king was when David played. David went from playing for the sheep to the king. Can you imagine David worshiping? Here's the thing I found about worship music. Worship music will do something for you on the inside. I've got tickets on the freeway that I would not have got if I was listening to worship music instead of Guns N' Roses. It is hard to drive slow when you're listening to Welcome to the Jungle, you know, and that's what it kind of feels like, you know. Here's the thing. It's hard to have an intense fight with your spouse when you have worship music playing in the background. And David would play worship. He would, he would, he would play music, the, this music, and it would soothe him. And so, and so he's, playing, he's playing music. Then he had an opportunity because he's not only a worshiper, he's a warrior, and he ends up killing Goliath. You would think the king would be excited, but the king was jealous. Jealous. And David's becoming more popular than me. So David is, is playing music to soothe the king. The king is jealous of David, is grabbing spears and throwing it at David. So David's up there, you know, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is with, whoop. You know, I exalt thee, I exalt thee. And then just like dodging spears. Does anyone know what it's like to be dodging spears from the people you're trying to help? You're trying to help your kid, and your kid's just throwing spears. Now, I'm not talking about physical spears. I'm talking about what even what people write online about you. I'm talking about what people say behind your back at work about you. Do you ever just feel like, I'm? wait, hold on. Wait, God, I'm anointed king. Now, I'm trying to help this king, but, but I'm dodging spears? And so the king gets so jealous, ends up wanting to kill David. He's like, well, I can't do this because he's popular. So he's like, David, you can marry my daughter if you go kill this many Philistines. Philistines were the enemy. Thinking David would die trying. That didn't happen. David ended up killing so many Philistines, it backfired on the king. Because people started singing songs about David. Saul's killed his thousands. David's killed his tens of thousands. He became more and more successful. Here's the thing. When you're following God and you're doing it his way, people could be trying to take you down. But God says, I'm going to keep taking you up. I'm going to keep elevating you. Just keep doing it God's way. Just keep, just keep following God. And so finally the king is like, okay. He put a hit out on David. The Philistines can't kill him. We're going to kill him. David's own wife, who was Saul's daughter, helps him escape through a window. Saul's son, David's friend, Jonathan, helps warn him. And so at this point, David has to leave. He, has the, he, is, he is anointed king over Israel, and now he has to flee Israel. He has to flee to enemy territory. 
Just to stay alive, because now he's in the enemy's hands, he acts like he's crazy. Read this, people. It's in the Bible. It says that David would just drool. Should I drool or just pretend? <laughs> I just know it's kind of close here, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. He just, he's like, he just, you know? And it says that he would just carve on doors. Just act. He, he would act like he lost his mind in order to, to stay alive. Does anyone know to be in a season where it's, you're like, you can be acting like you're, like you actually, if you act like you lose your mind for so long, you begin to feel like you've actually lost my mind. Like, is this, God, did you really say this? God, did you really do this? Because right now, I'm, the things we do to just stay alive, the things that we do just to survive, we're trying to follow God into all he has for us, but how did I end up in the enemy's hands and I'm just trying to, trying to stay alive? Here's what I found. Sometimes you gotta do some crazy things on the way to your calling. So here you go, David. David's in, so finally, finally he flees again. But this time, some people join him. You'd be like, okay, cool. If God's gonna send some people into my life, they're probably gonna be well-connected, they're probably gonna be educated, they're probably gonna be wealthy. No, the people who came to David were those who were in debt, discouraged. It was the down and outers. You ever just look at your connections and be like, okay, all right. Here's the thing, though. They became David's mighty men. People, people aren't born mighty. They become mighty. Ooh, you, if you know what's ready for this church next year, some of the discipleship development stuff we got coming, we're going to see how to empower. Because I believe anyone who steps into this door has potential in the seed form, has greatness from God. But it must be, must be developed. It must grow. And it takes time and it takes it takes effort. David had a couple opportunities to kill Saul. Most of us, if we had the opportunity to get revenge, we would probably take it. Oh, come on, think about that X. Come on, think about that. Who, th think, about that per that, think about that boss who let you go. Be like, oh yeah. If I, I mean, some of us, we spend so much time thinking about all the things we would do to harm them, you know? But, but, but not David. David had an opportunity twice, that at least twice that we know of, once he cut a garment off Saul's clothing, a little bit of the garment off the other time. <laughs> he, he took his water jug and his spear. He's like, I've seen this spear up, and clo up close and personal. I'm gonna take this away, right? <laughs> but, but he didn't. He didn't harm it. And so we're, we're thinking, okay, God, I'm anointed by you. I'm not taking vengeance. I'm not taking revenge. Are you gonna bless me? And yet, at Ziglag, where they had set up camp, David and his men were gone, and the enemy came and, and took all the wives and kids and family and all their, all their resources and burnt down where they were set up. You ever got to a point where you feel like you've just lost everything? God, I'm following you. God, I'm, I'm serving you. God, I've, I've made up in my mind. I'm not taking re revenge. It's in your hands. I'm trying to do the honorable thing. And, and yet now I, I don't know how I'm gonna pay the bills. And God, now I don't know how I'm gonna get this relationship with my kid back, God, I don't. But here's the thing, David, David and his men, and his men actually wanted to kill him. <laughs> These people he had invested in and wanted to stone him. And yet they recovered it all. You could recover it all if you don't give in, if you just keep following God. And so we're, we're, we're looking at it like, but. 
But why are they still in the wilderness? You ever feel like I'm anointed king, I'm anointed for this, but I'm living in the wilderness? The writer of Hebrews says it's through faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. Some of us are like, yeah, I have faith, but patience? No, it's through faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. That difficult circumstances don't prevent us from our destiny. What if it's actually the very thing developing us for our destiny? What if God's not just getting you ready for what he has for you? What if he's helping everyone else see and get everyone else ready? Because what if David would have been ready to be king, but the whole nation wasn't ready to have David be king? 2 Samuel chapter 5 says this, David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years. How old was David when he became king? 30. How old was David when he was anointed king? Does anyone know that? Depends on the scholar you you get input from, but, but, but most theologians, most scholars would say David was between 10 and 15 years old. The oldest, some might say, maybe up to 17, but, but very few would say that. Most would say between 10 and 15, which means David waited at least 15 years, maybe 20 years. Joseph had a promise from God. It took 13 years. Abraham had a promise from God. It took 25. (laughs) Moses had a promise from God. It took 40 years. Even when we look at Jesus, about how old was Jesus when he started his ministry? He's 30, about 30, right? Which means waited 30 years. You you, you see, in in the waiting, God, God is building you up. God is building your faith. God is developing your character, and maybe he's helping open up some of the eyes of the people around you who are going to be able to support that dream he has for you. Maybe this brings greater meaning when we read Psalm 37, verse 25, where David writes, I love the way that the Passion says it, because the version I know says, when I, once I was young, now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Here's how the, here's how the Passion says it. I was once inexperienced but now I'm old. Not once have I found a lover of God forsaken by him. The person writing this was anointed king as a boy. And after being anointed by God, he had spears thrown at a king he was trying to serve. Adam by a king he was trying to serve. He he had, to, he had to flee and act crazy just to survive. He had his own men want to turn at him. He lost, at one point, looked like his, his, his wives and his kids and, and everything. But he can say, not once have I found a lover of God forsaken by him, that even when I thought I was forsaken, I wasn't. Over Thanksgiving, Lindsay and I, we, we went to, uh, Ian went with us, we went over to uh, to Chicago to be with Ian or with uh, uh, Lindsay's sister and her and her family, and we flew. But do you know that like if you want to drive to Chicago, you can just put it into to, to maps. You want to know where you're going, like where I where I'm going to go, how I'm going to get there. So, if I type in Chicago right now, because oftentimes we think this is how life should be, like God should just tell us the destination, 
give us directions and we figure out uh, how long it's going to take to get there. Now, this is, this is kind of interesting as it's pulling up directions right here, uh, is that it'll show a few different routes because some of the routes have severe weather warnings. Like, I'm glad if I'm going to be going through that, I want to be warned ahead of time. Don't you wish God was like that? If I'm going to have people betray me, I wish, God, can you, can, can you give me a heads up? I mean, if, I, if I'm going to be treated unfairly at work, God, can you, can you, can you give me a heads up? God, if I'm going to have that person I gave so much to, I invested so much of my life to, turn around and stab me in the back, God, can you? But it's not. It's like you, we put this in. Starting route to Chicago. Proceed to South Elwood Avenue. Then turn right. Is, isn't this how we want God to be? We want like, yo, God, like, can you just develop an app, you know? I'll spend the $2.99 to get it, you know? <laughs> but that, that's not how it is. And so we can, we can be in moments and we think that God has forgotten and he's forsaken us. I hadn't put this in my notes, but just this morning when I was praying, as the worship team makes their way up, because I think God's going to do something powerful, but I, God just took me to Psalm 40. This is, this is a Psalm David wrote. Here's what David writes. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. Can you picture David crying out as he's dodging spears? Can you picture David crying out as, as, as he's got drool coming down his mouth and acting crazy just to stay alive? Can you, can you, can you picture David crying out as he gets back to Ziglag and he discovers that, that his wife and his kids have been gone and he doesn't know if they're still alive. Can you imagine David crying out? And he says, he turned to me and he heard, God hears your cry. Then in verse two, it says, he lifted me out of that slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. Then, then he writes in verse three, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to God. He put a new song in my mouth. I think God is calling on, on this church to even worship like we've never worshiped. There's something about worship that will take you through things. You see, while we're waiting, too many of us are worrying. I can do that doesn't work out very well, but if we can just worship while we're waiting, learn from David that you can worship out with the sheep, you can worship in front of a king who's throwing spears at you, you can worship in a foreign land, in the enemy territory, when you're acting crazy just to stay alive. You can worship when it looks like you've lost everything at Ziglag, and you can worship when you've got it all back. You can worship in a field of sheep, and you can worship in the palace when you are, oh, king, Overall, it says he put a new song in my mouth. Anyone ready for God to put a new song in your mouth? 